Back Geek Cab, episode 927 for Monday, May 9th, 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Cab, the show where we take your questions. Well, I mean, you, you send them in. We don't like come and get them and take them from you. But we take the questions that you've sent us and we process through them. We take your cool stuff found and share them. We take your quick tips and share them. We take your questions and we try to answer them while we share them. The goal being that each of us, you, him, him, her, them, me, we all each get to learn at least five new things. We learn things from you. You learn things from us. We're a big, happy Mac Geek Gab family. And it's a wonderful thing because we each get to learn five new things. I love it. Every time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include BB Edit at barebones.com. Ready for Big Sur. You can have multiple notebooks in locations that you choose. It's awesome. We'll talk more about that in depth in a little bit. And also HunterDouglas.com slash MGG where you can go and learn about their fantastic shades and savings. We'll talk more in depth about those shortly here. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. And here in Lee, New Hampshire, is Pilot Pete. Good to be with you, gents. It's good to have you, Pete. It's good to it's good to be here. I agree with that. I love doing this show. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. Right. And I love our community in the Discord server at MacGeekCub.com slash Discord. It's, uh, it's been fantastic getting to just keep in touch throughout the week, not just when we do the show. Let's uh, have a unified place for all the comments during the show. It's a, and, and during the, the and live yeah, show. Post, pre and post. Pre and post. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even just all week long, there's questions and tips being shared and sure. answered. It's awesome. It's great. Uh, speaking of quick tips, John, you want to start us off with Lee? Certainly. So Lee says... You know when you open up an app like TextEdit, Numbers, or Preview to quickly manipulate and perhaps copy some data or an image, but you don't want to actually save a new file when done. After pressing Command-Q to quit the app, you're presented with a window containing options of Delete, Cancel, and Save. Instead of moving your cursor to click the Delete button like an animal, (laughs) uh, just press Command-Delete instead. Ah... I've always done command D, the first letter of whatever the option is that I want to choose. And I, I feel like that's done it for me, but I, I like, this is one of those muscle memory things. I don't know, but try it out folks. Yeah. That's a great tip. I love, I love things like this that become automatic. I've actually tried it since, since reading that it works really well. I haven't tried the command D, um, which is where I might've, might've thought to, but quick personal point of privilege. uh, We, I noted is from. Baton Rouge, so I did Lee and all the Baton Rouge listeners, some of my old stomping grounds as an LSU alumnus, the only real Tigers in the SEC. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that'll make some folks happy, right? So, yeah, oh, yeah, good. yeah. And it'll make all the good. rest of them Because the SEC is not uh, passionate at all about their sports, uh, particularly football. But uh, <laughs> um, and, and all, but in all seriousness, the other thing that he, he mentions there. If if you're a person who does use the trackpad only or the mouse only, I really encourage try starting 
use some of the keystrokes, you will be amazed at the efficiency that you gain by even a few of them. Uh, it's, uh, it's just to, to, to watch someone struggle with the mouse. Sometimes you're just like, oh, yeah, all you have to do is hit enter. It, yes. <laughs> yes. You, you know, okay. So I, I agree with you that the, the keyboard can be your friend, but now I have, well, first of all, we'll take all of your comments that you, you have for, for Pete at, uh, at feedback at MacGeekGab.com. We'll just, we'll just send those straight to Pete about, uh, yeah, feedback about at dot com. All the hate mail from, uh, especially the Auburn folks who think they're tigers too. But yeah, yeah there it is. Just twisting feedback. the knife. Pete. <laughs> at MacGeekGab.com. That's right. Uh, however, we're always on the lookout for quick tips, as you know, and, and, and generally we have no shortage of them, but we like more, right? More are good. We like the quick tips are a super uh, popular segment and we're going to get to more. But one way to I, quick tips are often hard to identify because I never thought of mentioning this, even though I do it, you know, six times a day because it's just muscle memory. I don't think about it. One of the ways to identify a quick tip is when someone is looking over your shoulder and says, wait, 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 how did you do that? That's a quick tip, right? Right there. And then the other way to identify a quick tip is the reverse. When you are looking over someone else's shoulder and you find that every fiber of your being has tensed because they're not doing the efficient thing that you know how to do, that's a quick tip. So instead of uh, focus that tension, instead of on that poor person, uh, just tap it out to your phone, feedback at MacGeekCub.com and send us a little quick tip and we'll, we'll share it on the show. Like Barry has sent in to us. Barry says, uh, just a quick tip. Uh, well, he shares it about a studio display, which is, which is a fair way to do this. He says, uh, if you have your studio display hooked to your Mac, remember that your Mac with Monterey will show up on the list of AirPlay speakers. And you can send your music and podcasts straight to your studio display or any other speakers that are connected to your Mac. This is not limited to the studio display, but of course, it sounds better with the studio display because that's how the studio display works. Uh, but uh, but yeah, yeah, your Mac is an AirPlay destination and it's it's a great way to just leverage all of that, especially if you've got a you know a Mac hooked up to some some decent speakers or you just want to listen out loud. You can just do that from right from your phone and boom, there you go. It works. It I, it's amazing how well it works. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, the next quick tip we have is from Joe. And I was glad that this came in because it helped me yesterday. He says, uh, you know, you get a receipt from somewhere like a restaurant with an offer for a free chicken sandwich or you take a survey or whatever. And there's some big, long 20 digit code attached like the proof of receipt. If you... Uh, float over that with your camera. You can do it with a picture or you can do it just with the camera. You can copy and paste text from the picture, live text, to, so that you don't have to type that big, long code in. And sure enough, yesterday we actually had a, 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 a standby generator finally turned on at our house. We had it installed like two months ago, but it takes months for the, the town to do its inspections and all that fun stuff. But anyway, we... Uh, we had it turned on and I wanted to go register it. And so there was the serial number and the model number in the catalog. And I wanted to put it in my to-do list to go register the thing or in the, not in the catalog, but you know, in the paperwork that came with it. I'm like, man, I don't want to type that. And I was like, wait, Joe's tip. Boom. Copy. You don't even have to copy paste. You can just insert it wherever you're typing. 
there's that little, it looks like two brackets with like a, a, a big equal sign in the middle of it, right? Choose that just like you would copy or paste. You kind of tap, you get that little option and you can scan the text that you want and you just tap it and boom, it inserts it like you were, like you typed it. It's, it's amazing. So it's now sitting in my to-do list to go and, and register. So it's great stuff. Thank you, Joe. You guys use that live text uh, on the regular? I have not. I've seen it a couple times. Uh, I, I need to get better at it. But uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was playing that the paper you heard in the background, maybe was, was me <laughs> playing with a piece of paper. There's a database of phone numbers and such here. And sure. Looks like I can, I can grab them. You can grab. That's the thing. Yeah it, yeah. it works. It works well. I just need to remember to do it. And I think I had done it once when it came out. And promptly forgot all about it. And then, like yeah. I said, prep Joe's thing. And, you know, hours later, saw the 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 serial number on the generator paperwork. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I like, yeah, of course. So something as simple as that takes some. I can imagine there's some serious oh. math going on behind oh, the scenes. Let us not <laughs> overlook. Go, hey, this is text. This is not, you know. Yeah. This is not a kitty cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. And the fact that it's doing it on the fly. It's freaking yeah. amazing. Our, yeah, our phone's cameras look, the pictures from our phone's cameras look great. The cameras themselves aren't really the fa- the most fantastic cameras in the world, but there's a lot of smarts between the hardware and the other, you know, the, the hardware capturing it and the hardware displaying it. And, uh, and, and some of those smarts can identify letters, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And languages. And language. That's language. fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. That just blows me away what we can do. Harvey has a uh, a quick tip for us. He reminds us, and I think he learned about this on Mac Most, Gary Rosenzweig's show. We got to have Gary back on. He was a good guest. Uh, he learned about the fact that the network quality command, which is a terminal command built into current versions of Mac OS, and it's all lowercase except for the Q So network quality with a capital Q will do a speed test of your uh, of your Internet connection. Now, there's two ways to run it that he recommends. Uh, One is dash V so that you can see the results while it's happening. And then the other one is dash S, which does it in series. So dash V or, or the default dash V means verbose. And we'll put these commands in the show notes. You don't need to remember them. But dash V means verbose so that you're seeing more information but by default, network quality does a bi-directional speed test at the same time. And that can lead to misleading results over Wi-Fi because if you're sending data in one direction, you might be clogging up the other direction and therefore not getting the, uh, the, the fastest that you could get in, in either direction at once. And so that's where network quality dash S comes in because dash S runs the tests in series. It downloads first and then it uploads. And so you get uh, you get some uh, some some more accurate results by doing it that way. That's why speedtest.com and all those or speedtest.net. I can't remember, uh, but uh, that's why all those work that way. But now you can just do it from the terminal without even having to install speedtest CLI from Homebrew. So built right into Mac OS. Thanks, Harvey. It's great stuff. I love it. I love it. I don't know what servers it uses. That would be an interesting geek challenge. So have you used this network quality thing, John? Mm, yes. And 
but I think, yeah, I had, I had the same thing happen. I was like, those results aren't that great. Why is that? (laughs) Well, there's, there's a variety of reasons results might not be great, right? There's the, 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 certainly if it's running bi-directional or something else is running that can influence the results. But, um, the other thing is which server it connects to uh, there. There are times where I'll run speedtest.net here and it'll tell me I get, you know, 500 down and 200 up or something. And it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure my connect, my gigabit connection is still a gigabit connection in both directions. And I just have to check and and change the server that speedtest.net is using. And then it, and then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, here's, you know, here's your full speed. It's right up. Yeah, it doesn't. I wonder if there's a way. Uh, I think in his email, he had something about it being uh, he had a script in order to pin it to the. He, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, 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 so I'm wondering if there's a way to designate the server or something, too. That, yeah. That's that's really speaking of geek challenges. That's above my uh, geek pay grade. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, Brian Monroe in the chat room dug a little bit into this and said that by default, network quality runs the test against Apple's CDN. So uh, I had I, I guess I I could have guessed that Apple had a CDN. I didn't it didn't realize that. So there you go. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. That's good. All right. We'll put that. We'll put that in the, the a link to whatever you shared in the chat there in the show notes. Brian Monroe, thank you for that. Great stuff. John, you got a quick tip for us this week? Yeah, I stumbled across something by accident. So um, open messages. Okay. And normally what you see is on the left are the people that you recently communicated with. And on the right is what you said to each other. Right. Um, there's also a search field. Okay. Um, click, uh, click in there. Okay. You get a whole different view. It shows people that also people that you recently texted with, but then it has a links view, a photos view, a locations view, um, a documents view. Very cool. I like yeah. it. Oh. I don't know you could do that. Yeah, so that could be handy. If you're looking for something specific. Yeah, I I also in a similar vein, if you go into a given chat, either a group chat or an individual chat, and you hit the the uh the I the the little uh, info box in the upper right of that chat, it right. will show and scroll down a little. It'll show you the photos and links that are specific to that chat. So if you know that, like, all right, listen, uh, you know, Pete texted me a picture of something. I want to go look that up. If I, if I go into that, I can just go see the photos that are in that chat, which is super handy or the links, especially can be super handy sometimes. Yeah. Ah, I like this. Because otherwise you're forced to go back months. You just scroll, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It takes a while for it to load and, and, but it's on your phone. Well, maybe. I mean, unless you're syncing with yeah. iCloud and maybe it's on iCloud. Like, I wish yeah. there was a way to archive off old pictures from yeah. your phone uh, because, it, like, that's a thing that will fill up a phone. And, and Oh, sure. Because I'm thinking back to the days of Sanuti when I used to wander around in there in, in the phone, you know, attach your phone to your laptop and yeah. wander around in your phone and find all those files down deep in the chat yeah. and get rid of them. You didn't need them. But. Yeah. I wonder if you can, if you can selectively do that with iMazing. I haven't even thought to try that. Cool. That would be the tool these days. I mean, you know, Sanuti did what iMazing then came to do. Right. So. Right. You know. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, yeah. All right. So we've got, uh, well, it's not a quick tip. It's, it's more, we got caught and, and we'll offer a little mea culpa here, uh, that we'll share from Todd. Then we'll share some, a little bit about our sponsors and then we'll answer some of your questions, but, uh, we'll, we'll let Todd take it away first here. This is ADD Todd out of Orem, Utah. Thanks, Todd. Tidbit of trivia. Guys, you've just been caught. I'm listening to the last 10 minutes of Monday's podcast with, I believe, Dr. Mack is how you build them. Did a refresh on my iTunes to see what was new to put on my iPod. And I've got a complete list of Mac Geek Yab. Uh, I was really tempted to download the inaugural and listen to it again. Decided not to, but hey, that's just me. Anywho, don't know what you guys did, don't know what Apple did, but you've been caught. Keep up the good work, keep having fun, goodbye. Thanks, Todd. You are correct. We, uh, I was going through some, you know, we've moved to our MacGeekGab.com website, gives us a lot more flexibility about how we do things and what we do, and over the years, Apple has lifted their limits on what the maximum number of episodes you can have in your iTunes feed, or at least what they will display for a while. I think it was a hundred, then it went to 300. And now I believe the limit is 2000, but it's possible it's higher than that, but it's at least 2000. And so I thought, you know, that's fine. Let's just open up now that we have all of the shows in one feed in one place, which was not the case at Mac observer because we, we had, they were actually in three different places. And if you did subscribe to the feed that we called the MGG all feed, it was really a Frankenstein of things. Now, all of the episodes going all the way back, as Todd pointed out, to the inaugural episode, they are all in the same content management system. It's WordPress that we're using. And so I was like, why am I limiting this to 300? Let's just open the floodgates. Let's do it. And so I did that. And and Todd, you noticed it. And I, we respect your choice not to go back and listen to the first episode. I, I have been listening to back episodes sporadically here. I did listen to the first one recently and yeah, th things have gotten better. Uh, I listened, I think I listened to some in like the sevens and eight hundreds, which actually were, there, were, there were some really good things in those. Um, and, and some of the, the interaction and the spark was, was, was pretty good. So we're, 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 e we're eager to get back to some of that, but, uh, but yes, it did put all the episodes in the feed. There were a few of you on Twitter that alerted us that your podcatchers started downloading some, but not all of these old episodes. We're sorry about that. That's I, I did not mean for that to happen, but it, I suppose it is one of those things that happens when you put more data into a database at times, but it, that it's over. It, it, we, all the episodes are there. The only episodes that we're going to put into the, the feed from now going forward are the new ones that we create. So it should be a one and done kind of thing. So. Thank you for pointing that out, Todd. And uh, thank you to everybody. Yeah. It's amazing that we've, that we're here at nine It's It's awesome. I love it. And that's all. Thanks Getting to you folks. Close to that big thousand. We're getting there. Yeah, I know. I know it's it, a little over a year, right? Like that's, yeah. that's how that'll, that'll work out. I think that's how math works and weekly shows and all that good stuff. All right. Uh, shall we talk about our uh, couple of sponsors here, Mr. Braun? Uh, uh, sounds good. All right. Hey, who among us doesn't love to live well, to be perfectly at ease in comfort and in style? 
Our sponsor, Hunter Douglas, can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. you got to visit HunterDouglas.com MGG so you can see the way the shades diffuse harsh sunlight and cast a beautiful glow across your room. And you can also see how you can enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. You'll also be able to learn about the superior insulation the shades provide, keeping you warmer in winter, cooler in summer, and lowering your utility bills. And when you visit HunterDouglas.com slash MGG, you can see about Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology so your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy and insulation morning noon and night live beautifully with hunter douglas enjoying greater convenience enhanced style and increased comfort in your home throughout the day and right now for a limited time you can take advantage of generous rebate savings opportunities on select styles visit hunterdouglas.com mgg for details that's hunterdouglas.com mgg and our thanks to hunter douglas for sponsoring this episode Next up is BB Edit 14, which brings a horde of new features, changes, and improvements with new significantly deep capabilities for developers and data scientists. But it also offers many features for everyone who works with text. BB Edit has a wide range of source code editing enhancements via built-in support for the language server protocol now, including enhanced language-specific text completions, interactive help, and code navigation. You've got to experience this to believe it. It's amazing how it can really just guide you through some stuff that the, this whole LSP, the language server protocol thing, what an amazing advancement and, a, and an amazing technology for BB Edit to tap into and now, with BB Edit 14's notes system, it helps us avoid the clutter of untitled text documents. You can create notes from any convenient source, your clipboard, whatever, and notes are automatically named and managed by the app. So you can get rid of all those untitled text documents. you got to go check this out. You're going to love the repeat last command command. Command Y is what it is for those of us using it. It's super convenient. You're going to love it. Check it out. Go to barebones.com. Download your 30-day free trial. Check it out. Enjoy. You even get a free trial if you've done it before because with BB Edit 14, all of that was uh, was reset. You get discounted upgrade pricing if you're an existing BB Edit customer. Go to barebones.com slash store and our thanks to Barebones and BB Edit for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, you want to take us to David? David. Yeah. Um. David says, I recently discovered something that seems the very definition of a quick tip. I found it because my problem finally frustrated me to the point that it caused me to search for an answer. And it was obvious once I knew. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I frequently access my desktop folder in the favorite sidebar on the finder. But recently, I'm not sure what started this. Maybe with Monterey, maybe before the desktop folder would periodically disappear. I would add it back by dragging the folder into the sidebar. It would stay for a few days or weeks, and then would disappear. It turns out there's a setting in the Finder Preferences to accomplish this permanently. Go to Finder, Preferences, Sidebar, and check the box for the things that you want in the sidebar. Um, maybe that box is unchecked by default with one of the newer operating systems, and that's why I never noticed that it wasn't there anymore. Um, yeah. So, there you have it. Uh, yeah, I I need to check that on my Mac in the office because my desktop folder 
it disappears from my sidebar. Not as frequently as Harvey or as David, sorry, was saying. I had Harvey on the brain from the last uh, network, the last little quick tip. But um, but yeah, uh, it happens. And I, I've attributed it to the move, which has, which happened long ago, to iCloud Drive, right? Where your documents and desktop are synced. And for some reason, it just wants to move them around in the sidebar. I don't know. It, but yes, I've seen, I've seen this happen. So yeah, nice fix. It's good. Hopefully that, hopefully it does fix it for you. Any more on this? Or is it time to move to Eduardo? Eduardo. I got nothing. Eduardo says, asks coming from a desktop and iPad pro setup. I'm now living with a uh, MacBook pro 13 inch. I purchased used, and a beautiful brand new Apple Studio display. Very, very nice. I spend most of my time working at home with the MacBook connected to the studio display and the battery status as charged. And when I'm out and about, I rarely use more than 30% of the battery. It simply doesn't come down. The Mac is very efficient at power use. Yeah, for sure. To tell you the truth, he says, I've never used the charger that came with the MacBook Pro. It just plugs into the studio display and that's that. I wonder if this intense use with it always plugged in could lead to some deterioration of the battery life expectancy. What are your thoughts on this? So it's a good question. And I think uh, the answer to your, to your question, the short answer is yes, eventually. I, I, I think leaving a battery plugged in all the time is is not the most optimal thing for a battery. However... I don't think it's the kind of thing we need to worry about as much anymore as we used to because of the the increases, I- improvements, I should say, in Apple's battery technology, both in terms of the hardware and the software to manage it. So I, I, like, I think we're OK. We're better off now than we were, you know, five or 10 years ago with this, so, largely because Apple has built software to to do these things correctly. What, what do you think, John? Um, yeah, my MacBook Pro, I used to charge it up and then charge it down. And I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, what can help, uh, or what helps me is that how, how do you know the percentage that's left? And I use a program called Fruit Juice, um, to tell me that. And I've been over 80%, um, for like a, a stretch of many months. And okay. I need to plug it in all the time. Yeah. So, at least for me, what caused it to go down to 80% or slightly above was because I was cycling the battery all the time. <laughs> That's, uh, that may not be the cause of it. That's rarely the cause of it, right? Like, I mean, knowing what we know about batteries, that's not generally the thing that mm. will cause their life to go down. Like, it, like, the static charging of it in the past has been the thing that causes the life to 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 decrease how that said uh, you know who knows right i mean any any use case of one isn't really uh, enough uh to to you know like the plural of anecdote it's not data uh but apple has really managed this stuff well and we'll put a link to to in the show notes to that unfortunately we won't be putting a link to fruit juice in it fruit juice in the show notes fruit juice has been end of life jeff lynch it's develop it's chief developer Posted on Twitter uh, last week, week before about this, and uh, he has stopped development on it. I don't think you can download new copies of it anymore. 
and mm. and I, and quite for and and that was a a piece of software that was near and dear to our hearts here. It, it it's it's genesis involved discussions on this show that led Jeff to think, hey, you know, in part, I don't want to take full credit for this, but I, I know that there were some Mac Geekab discussions that led Jeff to think, hey, maybe there, there's a there's an app to remind people to do this. And as Apple's battery tech has increased or improved, I don't know why I keep wanting to say increased, then, you know, the, the, the need for a product like fruit juice has become less. I don't want to say it's it's nothing, but it has become less. You can see your battery capacity in a in a variety of ways. Fruit juice isn't the or the, your battery, um, your overall battery health in a few ways. Uh, one of them is, I think, in system uh, profiler. Is that what we call it? system information? Information power. I think the power section gives Perfect. you some. Okay. And I always use coconut battery to track it. Dave, you just beat me to it. I'm sorry, the, Pete. Show notes. Yeah, tell us about battery. coconut battery. No, no, that's fine. No, no. I was, I was going to put the link in, and I saw it was already there in the show notes. <laughs> you know, I've used coconut battery. Uh, but throughout this discussion, I've had up at the bottom, the one I found this morning was, it's not an app, but just a link to apple.com batteries, slash batteries, slash maximizing hyphen performance. And that that not only does the MacBooks, but all Apple devices, iPhones, iPads, watches, that sort of thing. And it goes on to give additional, you know, if you're going to store it for long term, don't store it fully charged. Don't store it fully empty. Right. Every six months, go back and get it back. Store it at 50%. Every six months, go back to 50%. So to, to maximize the life of your battery, don't put it to sleep and think you're going to store it long term either. No, it will burn out the battery. <laughs> no, and, and that... It, it, it is not good to store a battery at full charge. It is far, far worse to store a battery with no charge because it, yeah. I, I've done that, and that's the end of that battery. Guess what? Guess what yeah. yeah. Guess what? Meet, meets end of life very quickly yes, when you do that. Huh? That's right. It will never come back uh, if you leave it for too long that way. But one thing I like about coconut battery is it tracks your, and I think fruit juice did this too. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. But coconut battery will let you track your battery health over time so you can mm -hmm. see how it uh you know how it has progressed so the nice part about fruit juice is it did that automatically with coconut battery you've got to remember to run it i believe and and tell it to go and get that data but it'll fruit juice will also do your my iphone a few days a few days ago i was looking at my iphone if you just go to power and then or settings you know and then into the battery and it'll tell you the history it'll tell you that my current capability is 87 percent. yeah maximum but it's it's also an 18 month old battery with yeah. daily heavy usage so. that's right yeah 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 and and i think there's your there's your data point that that daily heavy usage is arguably good for a battery is just look at the iphones and ipads right because most of us do not leave those charged in full time and and we are running them down all day and charging them up at night and running them down all day and charging them up at night and yeah, most iPhones sit well above that 80% threshold for the the lion's share of their serviceable life. So, Right. Yeah. And, and unless you wake up in the morning and find you didn't quite set it properly on the G-Charger, that's the beauty of MagSafe, right? Yeah. Oh, I, won't, uh, didn't. I won't use Qi next to my bed anymore unless it's MagSafe. Yeah, that, yeah. I, that, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. I've wake, I've awakened in the morning with eighteen percent. Yeah, seriously, come on. Yeah, bad news. Bad news. MagSafe solves that problem for sure. Yeah. So I either plug it in or I'm using MagSafe. Uh, it's it's I can't. Yeah. I can't. So. I, I can't risk 
I mean, most days it wouldn't matter because I'm just going to be at my desk and I can just plug it in or whatever. But uh, if it's not one of those days and it's one of those days, well, then I want it charged. So, yeah, yeah. that's good. Well, and thinking of MagSafe, quick, cool stuff found injection. Yeah. There are, uh, what are they called? The, the little pop sockets on, yeah. on the back of the iPhones don't work with Qi chargers, MagSafe and that sort of thing, except go search for a MagSafe pop socket. Oh. They magnetically come off. So you can, you know, you can pull off the pop socket at night and set your phone on a, of course. On a Qi charger. And it works great. And I actually happened to find one that was customizable for my daughter for Christmas. So she got a picture of her puppy dog with her at college on the back of her pop socket. But it's a MagSafe pop socket. And it's pretty strong. Oh, there you go. You've got one up in the uh, share of the video. Um, it is a uh, – that's handy. I really like that. I like the pop socket. I, I don't know why I don't have one of those on my own phone yet because I really like the concept. Oh, they will take that on and off the phone and use the use the MagSafe to its full extent and yet still have the convenience of a pop socket. And they've got all kinds of permutations of this. Obviously, all the different designs that you mentioned, Pete, plus they've got a pop wallet with MagSafe. So you've got the pop socket and a wallet all in one that MagSafe's to your phone. So you only have it when you need it. Oh, wow. I wish I'd known about these before my my travel, my upcoming travels to Portland. But maybe. Before my upcoming travels to Greece, I'll grab one of these. That looks... Well, I think I, I'm pretty sure I've seen some variant of those in the various big box high tech stores in, oh, okay. in the uh, neighborhood. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. That's great. Very cool. Nice find. Ah, good stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't, I don't know why I never even, like we've been so gung ho on MagSafe uh, since the fall which I realized was a year. We started a year late. That's fine. Uh, you know, we can't, we can't be on the bleeding edge of everything as much as we try, but I'm surprised that this hasn't come up yet. Cause that seems like a, a great use case for it. So, yeah. Yeah. All There's right. Make safe chargers for the car that, you know, they put on the vent and it, you know, you clap it to it. It charges automatically and you yep. can use Bluetooth to listen and, yeah, right, right. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Mag I think safe. you're talking about Lisa's using that now, right? In hers, because it doesn't have CarPlay. Correct. It, it's yeah. like, it's it's fantastic. I, it, I love that thing in her car. It's great. Yep. All right. Uh, Paul has a a question and a tip wrapped inside an enigma. I don't know. It's all kinds of stuff. Uh, Paul says... I recently had an AirPods Pro tip damaged and needed replaced. I or an AirPods Pro tip damaged and needed replaced. I knew I needed medium, but I temporarily used the large one until I got a replacement. After doing some internet searches, I resolved that I did like the silicone-ish ones from Apple and saw they were actually cheaper than ones found on Amazon. Well, shop around. You never know. It did take a week or two to come in, but from Apple, I got four medium-sized tips for $7.99, instead of the $10 or so on Amazon for only two. The real problem that it solved, however, was the amount of wax that had collected in the mesh screen over the past few years. The AirPods Pro sounds so much better now. While we're on the subject, any tips for or suggestions for removing wax other than the mechanical methods, toothpick or similar, any chemicals suggested for the tips, not the AirPods. So this is a great find. And yeah, 
the Saruman dilemma, right, is uh, is the the trick here. But uh, I, I would think rubbing alcohol, right? So would it damage him? I don't. It might be okay, but I I still like. I think it's gonna. I I mean, there are things that will dissolve uh, earwax. Now, rubbing alcohol might be one of them, Pete, but. It's never going to be sold that way because so many of the things that you would use for dissolving earwax are things you put inside your ear. And I don't think you want to have to put too much rubbing alcohol in there, although I, I suppose it's done. Oh, actually, actually you ear. can because yeah. I use it for swimmers here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair. Yeah. So I, maybe rubbing alcohol, right? But I, I think that would dry it out more. And, and Just sharing then, my medical advice, by the way, yeah. seeing as I'm a doctor too now, right? <laughs> that's yeah. right. Sorry, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another show. That's, right. yeah, that was <laughs> that was three weeks ago, Pete. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but I, you know, I, I do have some experience with cleaning uh, earwax out of earpods, and 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 I say earpods, I should say earbuds or in ear monitors, the ones that I wear for the show. Uh, always get you know. Um, earwax in them the ones that i wear on stage the same thing and there is this thing called an earwax cleaning loop it is simply a um it's simply a little metal loop on a plastic handle and it works amazingly well to just sort of scrape out and catch the little bits of earwax and remove it from things so i would think that that combined with a brush to sort of brush out the earwax might be the key. I looked on, I I, I have a bunch of these because they come with my in-ear monitors. Every set of in-ear monitors I've ever gotten has come with one of these loops. So I looked on Amazon for a couple of things and I found two things. I found this 12-piece hearing aid cleaning tool kit uh, and looking for things to clean hearing aids would be the path to head down, though to be fair, not everything that you would use to clean a hearing aid would be relevant to cleaning just AirPods or even just uh, to, you know, your your any kind of earphones or earbuds. I would. The other thing that I found on Amazon was a just a pack of brushes that have a loop on the hand or have a they have a loop with a brush on the handle. Let's put it that way. So you could sort of use the loop to get the big pieces out and then use the brush to sort of b- brush and clean the rest of it. That's how I would clean these things. Um, but, you know, to each to each year, I'm so used to these ear loops that it's hard for me to think of cleaning with anything else. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know that I would use a chemical. It's kind of it's. It's it feels like we might head down the path of damaging things, but I don't I don't know. Who knows? Any any more thoughts on that, guys? Pete? No, nope. John. I, um, but yeah, again, but I, ha- I have used Q-tips soaked in rubbing alcohol. OK, okay. but I have never. I, I But depending how much is in there, I mean, I, I, I would think of actually trying to submerge it in rubbing alcohol. But, you know, knowing that I was probably, you know. It could damage it beyond repair, in which case I'd have to buy new. Well, and that is the nice part about having removable tips is you could experiment by just putting the tips and rubbing alcohol. Let them dry completely before you put them back on your on your AirPods. But the good news is, you know, rubbing alcohol has the benefit of drying very quickly, given given its high alcohol content. But uh, yeah, 
So I and 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 even then, maybe use the brush to brush the screen of the of the AirPod Pro it, itself while the tip is off. Right. Much, yeah. Much better. I would think he yeah, had to have a brush than a Q-tip. I think yeah. it'd be much more effective. Someone in the uh, Warren in the chat room says, of course, rubbing alcohol cleans everything. So fair. Yeah. Yeah. And then BSD junkie says, I've heard of using museum wax on AirPods to clean the wax out of them, but do not press excessively hard or you will fill them with museum wax. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to take us to Tim, John? Sure. Um, Tim says, I have a ton of photos, over 200,000 in videos, over 6,000 in my photo library. I have that library on an external disk following the perennial advice to save money on Apple's expensive internal SSD. But the delays in processing photos drives me nuts and um, is a main driver in my desire for what would probably be an other otherwise unnecessary upgrade from an M1 to an M1 Pro or even an M1 Max. I understand that part of the speed of the Max is the continuing improvement in the speed of the internal SSD. And am, am I correct in thinking that the external storage, a Samsung T5 portable SSD, is a non-trivial con- contributed to the delays? Thanks. Um, well, first off, I mean, internal storage is always going to be faster. Though the the ports that we have now uh, go pretty fast, but I think it introduces a, another level of connection level rather than being you know directly plugged into the uh, to the PC uh, or Mac. Um, one thought to improve something. Now I haven't actually tried this, but you know, can't hurt. Um, caches always fix things and make them better. Right. Sure. Um, there actually is a caching feature in, um, in Mac OS system preferences, sharing content caching. I don't know. Cache your content. See if that improves the performance. Um, I did look this drive up and the specs, uh, I mean, it was seen fast enough, but the, the max throughput on this T5 seems to be about 500 megabytes a second. Okay. Which, hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, mean... That's not slow. No. No, it's not. I mean, I, I, I'm guessing it's a, a 5 gigabit per second USB drive, which is why you'd, you'd see those speeds. Mm-hmm. I, I would... Um, rarely... I, I I see this a different way. Um, rarely have I found for photos that my the management of it is maxing out the top speed of whatever storage I'm I've put it on. Right? It's it's more that it's lots of relatively small files and indexes that are being accessed back and forth, and and so the lower latency of an SSD usually is the thing that that matters most and whether or not that's a direct connected SSD or or a uh, you know an internal one like there might be a little a couple of milliseconds maybe or or fractions of a millisecond but I don't I don't know that there's all that much overhead especially with with Thunderbolt but I think this one's USB so you know there might be a little USB overhead but it's not terrible Uh, I would look at CPU usage, 
and see it when this is happening. Is your CPU pegged? Because if it is, then it's not disk speed that's slowing you down, right? Or disk access. And that's perhaps a better term is disk access that's slowing you down. It's your CPU. And if that's the case, well, certainly then upgrading to something with a faster or perhaps, you know, exponentially faster CPU will very likely solve this problem. And that's going to be my guess here is that I don't think your issue is going to be solved by a faster drive. Um, I mean, well, he's already on an SSD. So I like it's it's not like we're moving it's so much data back and forth that we need speed, like raw transfer speed. We just need quick access to things. And that's where the latency of an SSD would come in. I, I, I have found moving photos from a rotational drive to an SSD, be it internal or external is all that it takes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. And it, you know, your point about content caching, that's for caching things that are in iCloud and also uh, um, like software updates and things like that. It, the idea is to have one computer on your network that you set as a, as a content cache. And then the first time any device on the network downloads some resource from iCloud, then it stores it in that content cache so that the next person doesn't have to rely on the Internet. It can just happen over the local network. Now, if he's managing his photo library and some of it isn't even on the local disk, if it's set to optimize storage and it's in the cloud, well, then content caching might help quite a bit. But uh, but otherwise, I don't think that content caching. I mean, it's it's for things on the Internet, not just local things on your on your computer. That it's a that's a different kind of cache. So and as far as I know, I mean, I, I'm sure photos has some caches in it, but not uh, mm -hmm. Not not user configurable. Like if they're on, they're on. You know, and if if they're not there, well, then they're not there. <laughs> so yeah, I don't. I think it. I think it's. I would look at the CPU usage. That that's the you know. We always approach these things in the. If I were there, what would I do next? Uh, you know, from that perspective, and that, that's certainly the thing I would do next is is like watch, open up Activity Monitor if you have iStat menus, just keep an eye on the, on that, and start doing the things that that frustrate you. And see where what 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 portions of your system are being maxed out because in Activity Monitor you can see even the the disk usage and if it's if it's maxing out the disk then by all means that's going to be it. I don't think that's you're gonna I don't think you're gonna find that. So so I no I I I think it is a trivial contributor, not a non-trivial one. Uh, would be my Dave, did guess. It, did it say in the email the one thing you you glossed over? Yeah. But the big red flag to me was if he's got storage optimized and it's in the cloud. That seems to me the first and most likely. Agreed. But I, I don't recall if it said in the email. It didn't, but but it, that is good advice. Like if you're if you're doing a lot of photo management, uh, try that. Like you know, but of course that's easier said than done. My guess is he does not have storage optimized because right. he's putting his photo library on a two terabyte external disk, right? So, but that sure. he could store his photo library on that disk. Whether he is or not is a, a different question, and it's worth checking that setting. Right in uh in photos yeah for sure yeah yeah good catch yep all right um let's go to let's go to john here not uh, is there more on that one john i i, I meant listener john okay great we will go to listener john then who found an issue for us 
He says, uh, for the longest time, I was unable to log in to hotel and in-flight Wi-Fi networks. So after listening to episode 920, I thought my problems were solved, but that's not the case. I went to NeverSSL.com. That's the tip we talked about in episode 920. The nice part about NeverSSL is you always will connect to it without using HTTPS. You will only connect with HTTP. And then that means for captive portals, you won't get stuck in the certificate loop, which is great. Uh, he said, but never SSL did not solve my problem while attempting an in-flight nor while attempting a hotel connection. It got me nowhere. Never SSL would never appear. The captive portal wouldn't appear. Nothing rebooting, emptying caches. Nothing helped. At my most recent hotel stay, the problem occurred as usual. However, I could connect on my work MacBook Pro as well as my iPhone. Never SSL did exactly what it was supposed to do there. So I did some Google Foo while tethered to my iPhone and found the solution. For several years, I have set my MacBook's Wi-Fi to point to the custom DNS for Cloudflare or OpenDNS. And this seems to have been causing the problem. When I deleted my custom DNS servers and then renewed the DHCP lease and let the DHCP server at the hotel populate my DNS, boom, the captive portal magically appeared. I was able to access the hotel's Wi-Fi and I'm good to go. So John asks, was I misguided in setting my Wi-Fi to point to specific custom DNS servers? Should I do that only on my home Wi-Fi and leave my MacBook's Wi-Fi settings alone? And the answer is yes. Great find, by the way. Like, that's excellent sleuthing to sort this out. Because it is tempting to put custom DNS in on, you know, especially on our mobile machines. But it really uh, can screw things up when on guest Wi-Fi of, of, of any variety of things. Uh, but what you could do at home is set your router to use either Cloudflare or OpenDNS. And then that way, when your MacBook is at home, it'll get your router's DNS settings, and boom, you've got what you need, right? Because your router is going to go through Cloudflare or OpenDNS or whatever you choose, but your MacBook is just going to take the DNS of the active network, and you're good to go. So you'll, you'll be able to do what you need to do when you get to those hotels or airports or wherever that have captive portals. So... Great find, John, and uh, yeah, I love this stuff. John Braun, thoughts? Uh, it's funny. Um, one of my local stores upgraded theirs because for the longest time it never it never asked me. It must have uh, known my MAC address, I guess. That's true. Yeah, it was a cookie or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it surprised me that they asked me to authenticate again. Yeah. I bet they store MAC addresses so that, it, you know, uh, I, if I were configuring a network with captive portal, I would have it store MAC addresses for a while so that it, it didn't have to do that over and over and over again. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. All right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, this, uh, I'm guessing this is Brian Monroe in the chat room who points out that the captive portal can cause major issues when you are trying to set up your new cable modem as well. Uh, because those use a captive portal to redirect you to the walled garden, uh, you know, especially with like Xfinity. It, you, you, when you first connect to a cable modem, it, it's not assigned to your account most of the time. So you need to go through their captive portal and connect and do all of that. 
And if you have custom DNS settings, well, it's not going to work. So it's a, that's a, another good piece of advice there. So thank you for that. All right. Uh, moving on to Roger. We're heading back into travel season here. And it seems like m- many of us are going to be able to start doing some of that. Roger points out, he says, my wife and I both own iPhone 12 Pro Maxes and are going on a river cruise on the Rhine from Amsterdam to Switzerland. We're T-Mobile users here. What should we consider about getting SIM cards for the trip? There's supposed to be Wi-Fi on our ship, but we'd like to be able to use Google Maps and Translate apps as well as have location data in photos when day tripping off the boat. Okay, so... There's a lot to unpack here because there, there's a lot of leads that have been buried in this. The The first thing that I will share in no particular order is before you travel anywhere, and I would even do this for your home area, put Google Maps on your iPhone. It's, it's free, but it's not on automatically. Apple Maps is on automatically. Put Google Maps on your iPhone and then go into the settings inside Google Maps for offline maps and Download offline maps for any of the areas you're going to visit. Do this while you're on Wi-Fi and you can thank us later uh, because this is one of those things that can save your bacon if you are in an area with no service. Your phone still will have a GPS connection, albeit a limited one because it's not being able to use like cell triangulation or other things, but it will have a GPS connection. And you will have the map data on your device inside Google Maps because you downloaded it offline and life will be good. So that's step one. Step two is that you are T-Mobile users. T-Mobile is known to have one of the best all-inclusive worldwide travel uh, data options as part of many of their plans. I don't think it's part of all of them, but check to make sure that you're not just covered already with your existing data plan. As a T-Mobile user, you might be. If you're not, uh, regardless of your carrier, my favorite place, and we'll be using it before we head to Greece later this month, is eSIMDB.com. We'll put a link in the show notes, but it's easy to remember. It's eSIMDB. Your phones support eSIMs as do most newer iPhones, and we'll support it in dual SIM mode. So you can add a data SIM while still keeping your voice SIM on the phone. And eSIMDB is a great place to be able to narrow down where you're going, how long you're going to be there, what kind of data you need. Uh, It sounds like, you know, looking at Roger's trip here is sort of the case study. He's going to be traveling between at least two different countries, perhaps more. My geography isn't perfect for that area of of our world, but uh, so he won't be able to get just a Swiss, uh, you know, data plan that might not cover him when he's not in Switzerland, but he could get a European data plan that probably would cover him. So and it'll tell you on eSIMDB which countries are are covered. You get to sort and mismatch and all kinds of great stuff. It's 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 a wonderful resource. I got to look for a way to find like find a way to send them money to keep them up and running because I, I want them to keep up and running. It's a really good resource. So that's what I have to say about this. Anybody else have anything? Uh, you guys may be aware. I, I travel sometimes. I've heard of this, and, Pete. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, I've actually had, as you, as you know, you and I are now both on, on mint mobile and you can, pre-buy some of your data and your minutes and that sort of thing with sure. them overseas. And and the fact that that is, it isn't the cheapest plan out there right. is still made up for well over 
by the fact that you're saving roughly half on what the major carriers uh, or, are or more <laughs> or, yeah. or more. Yeah. yeah. So with, with Mint Mobile, but, um, uh, I was, I vaguely remembered what you said, which is you can pre-download on Wi-Fi your Google maps. Yeah. There's another app called you need a map. Okay. Uh, available on the iOS app store. Um, and that, uh, you can, download on Wi-Fi again, your, your apps there. And that's also uh, your map there. And that's also very interactive, but I, I think you're right. I think the thing to do is to call T-Mobile and say, Hey, we're going to be in Germany. Uh, what are, what are your day per day rates? And as I recall on, uh, another, uh, major carrier, it was 10 bucks a day overseas yeah. as if you were at home. And, and if if you don't travel all, it became prohibitively expensive <laughs> when I was there all the time. I, I couldn't do that. But uh, if you're traveling once or twice a year, that's not prohibitively expensive. It's to, to, Well, it's not for one person when you right. multiply. I think, and, well, and I think AT&T did, you know, 10 bucks a day for the first phone and five bucks for mm. the second phone. OK, I think. It, I but, will but tell you, that, I mean, it, with with the fact that we have, you know, eSIMs in our phones and this has gotten to be trivial to set up, uh, yeah. you, you know, you, you can probably get away with, you know, $10 for the trip as opposed to $10 a day right. with the, by choosing the correct SIM. And yes, yeah, so I've never used the eSIM DB. That looks like a really, it's, yeah, slick. It's a thing to try to try out. It's it's one of my favorite things that we've found in the last year. As can yeah. as listeners will know, this is not the first time I've mentioned it on the show. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's good stuff. So yeah, check it out. I have is, yeah, the other thing I have is is, is called a Pokey Five P O K E F I. Yep, uh, they come from Hong Kong. They're not cheap to start, but um, I, I essentially have Wi Fi wherever I go. It, it's a cellular to Wi Fi device. And it's fifteen bucks for five gigabytes. And oh, that's great! My yeah, I use it. Uh, and re- starts getting low. I refill it. And wait, it wait, that's me- fifteen bucks for five gigabytes, and you can use it worldwide. Worldwide. Oh, that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Now you got to buy yeah. the device out of the gate. I assume that's a couple hundred bucks or yeah, something. Yeah, I want to say, I want to say it was about one hundred and sixty bucks. Okay. All right. Um. So it it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't. Uh, there you go. Yeah, Pokey Five gives you four G. Okay. Speeds. All right. And uh, and flat rate. Yeah, and I would uh, I would when you're doing this research to try and figure out what you need while you're traveling, think about your real realistic expectations of data usage, right? Because I've done it like when Lisa and I went to Mexico, for example. We were we, now we were staying at a resort, and I knew that we were staying at a resort, and we knew that the resort had Wi-Fi in most places. But perhaps not everywhere. But I also didn't want to be caught at the airport or in between the airport and the resort not being able to connect. Like I it was it was worth it to me to spend a little bit of money to to know that I could connect no matter what while we were there. So I, I went to eSIMDB and I found cheap plans. I mean, I think I think I got us each three gigs of, of data in Mexico for like eight bucks for for 15 days or something like that. Right. Which was great. Actually, I bought leases in one way and I did mine on GigSky because I had some GigSky credits. But, it, you know, we, we figured it out and it was it was fine. I think we each used uh, we were there for seven days. We each used far less than one gigabyte of data. And so think about what you're going to be doing, where you're going to be going, how often you're going to be on Wi-Fi 
and and don't you don't want to be caught short, but you also don't want to get home and find that you used, you know, 800 megs of a three gig data plan or of an eight gig or 10 gig data plan. Like like when when my daughter went to Italy for like six weeks, I think we bought her a 30 gig data plan that was good for 60 days or something. And I think she used maybe 10 of it, you know, but right. it, it, you know, so it, it, a think about it before you travel. Perhaps more importantly, think about it after each trip you take and and look and learn what you use when you travel so that you can be uh, better predictive in the future. I don't know. That's and, there, and, and things that you can do to save on that, too, to, to get a lower data plan is go to the lower power, low power mode. So when you take a photo, it doesn't automatically upload that photo to the cloud and eat up megabytes and low data um, mode. Is really the key. Yeah, but like, yeah even better. Low dip, put yourself yep. in a low data mode. Yep. Um, yep. And, uh, but yeah, your phone calls and audio streaming is virtually nothing. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's so low. And, and you use the phone. Yeah. Uh, on, on, on data, using a phone call is, you know, Wi Fi calling is. Well, yeah. Make sure you're doing Wi Fi um, calling or, or, you know, WhatsApp or Skype or, you know, FaceTime. Yeah. Is is the safe way to make sure you're doing that and not incurring charges on your on your roaming phone. So and, and one last quick follow up to yeah, many man. months ago, I think I mentioned it. I was in Alaska and the Mint Mobile did not work. Yeah. So I'm able to use the Pokefy there. Yep. And act as if I'm on on the network. I, I never leave the network. I, I had called Mint Mobile and asked them about it. Or I, I maybe I texted back. I think that's how they do their support. Sure. And they said, Yeah, we're not available in Alaska and Hawaii. Not true. <laughs> They're not available in Alaska. Oh, they but they do work, work in Hawaii. In Hawaii, throughout Hawaii. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. that's good so, to know. All yeah. right. And they use the towers of another uh, major carrier that ends in mobile, apparently. They use so. T-Mobile's towers. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, they, yeah, it's, it's I, like, I feel like a fool for not having switched to mid-mobile uh, years before I finally did. I mean, we, they were sponsors of the show yeah. and I had them on a spare phone and never switched yeah. the family. And then finally I did. And it was like, Oh wow, I'm saving like two grand a year. It's like, I feel so stupid. Right? How crazy is it? How much money <laughs> that, that you save by going to them? Let's uh, let's jump to some cool stuff found here. Shall we? The first, the first thing I want to share is uh, from stats desk on Twitter, alerting us to the fact that, uh, Synology DSM, so this is the software for your disk station, DSM 7.1 solves a critical bug in a security bug in NetATOC, which is the engine that's used for AFP transfers. Now, most of us are connecting to our disk stations on our local networks with SMB, but you don't want to leave that hole open. Uh, To my knowledge, this is not yet fixed in Synology DSM 7. Uh, so, but, but we are recommending here wholeheartedly to upgrade to 7.1, not just for this reason. It's, it's been solid as a rock for us running it here for weeks. And, uh, and so, you know, it, like it, if, if you haven't yet upgraded to 7.1, let this be the catalyst. I think you're, you're going to be in good shape with that. And speaking of Synology next episode, MGG 928 is a Synology Geek Gab. We got uh, Jeff Gamut to come on with uh, with us here, and you're going to love it. We, we dug deep into uh, several aspects of this station. So whether you're a this station owner or not, 
Make sure you listen to 928. That's coming up uh, uh, next week on the 16th. Yeah, it, it's an expensive show if you're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the other thing, John, you and me, we recently got to look at the Samsung T7 Shield, the portable SSD from the folks at Samsung. And I, it, for those watching the video, I think, John, you have one at your desk uh, uh, or not. Do you? Yes. No. Yes. Okay, great. So uh, if you're watching the video, you can see it, but it's the uh, the Samsung T7 Shield. It is a portable SSD. It is, uh, let's see, it's it's rubber. It's got these rubberized shock absorbers on it, and it, uh, it, it I believe it's waterproof as well. Yep, IP65 rating for water and dust resistance. It's mm-hmm. drop-proof, super rugged. And uh, and John will keep showing it for those of us that are watching the video, and we'll put a link in the show notes for people that have not. Yep, it's uh, it comes in two terabyte and one terabyte versions. The two terabyte version is two thirty nine from Samsung. You can probably find it a little bit uh, cheaper on on partners. It's a ten gig. It's a USB three point two G two, which means it's ten gig USB, and it's a PCIe NVMe drive. So that means it can actually take advantage of all of those speeds. And John, you gave it a test and and you were getting, you know, 900 uh, plus megabytes per second. Yeah, it came formatted as EX fat and I benchmarked it then. Okay. And then I reformatted it and um as APFS cuz I figure it would be better. Yeah. Um now within 10 it was a little slower actually on APFS. Not surprising. Yeah, but but still like nine hundred megabytes a second. Which okay, to me that's um, Yo, close no. to the advertised speed. That yeah, that's as fast as you're gonna get. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's great. What? And well, sorry, say again. Which machine you used to test that? Uh, MacBook Pro, an uh, Intel MacBook Pro, sixteen inch, right? <laughs> Correct. Got it. Cool. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, go check it out. The next thing I went to this. I say I went. Uh, I I did a a virtual event uh, called tech fluence. And I learned about this device called the wow cube. It's like a take the, and, and this is how it, it it's Genesis or how it came to be. Uh, one of the engineers, his son said to him, why can't we have a Rubik's cube with screens on it? And instead of being, uh, you know, a, a typical, uh, what instead of saying what I would say, which would be like, well, that'd be way too complex to design. The guy said, yeah, you know what? Let's try this. And he made it. I got to see these things like they were being used. So the idea is it is eight cubes that are connected together magnetically. Each corner of this thing. So every every cube is a corner. It has three screens on it. Uh, you're going to want to go to wowcube.com to to check this out or or watch the MGG video to see like, how this thing works. But every corner piece is its own standalone computer with three screens. They have a bunch of magnets in there to connect things together. And you can use it like a Rubik's Cube. There is a game you can load on there that, you know, sets the colors right. And and then you, you know, you twist it around until, until the, you get them all the way you want them. But there's also games like the guy that was playing this uh, this um, let's see if the if the video will show up here on on the uh, on the 
on the screen. But uh, if you're watching the video, you're definitely going to want to go to WowCube and check check this out. But it uh, there was one game where the guy had like a rat in a maze kind of thing, and he had to keep twisting the cube around to give the rat a way out of its current square, right? And so it was this constant like adjustments and and tweaking and this very tactile thing because you're spinning this cube around. I think it's going to be like 250 bucks there in pre-orders now. It can be this interactive thing. It can be a weather station. It can be like a lava lamp style thing. They've built this charging brick, or it's really not a brick. It's a charging stand that uh, it's it's a flat base with a, like two prongs that stick up from it. And the prongs go in between the, the these like fins go in between the 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 cubes and charge everything all at once. But it can be on your desk, you know, on your bedside table is like your your clock or all the stuff. It's got sound in it and like it looks very cool, but it exists like I know it's in pre-orders, but it, this is not a Kickstarter thing. This is a like I, I've seen people holding them and using them like <laughs> They just need to they just need to take pre-orders so they can go make more of them. But this looks like a cool thing. The wow cube. So deserving of its name. I like it. Thoughts on that? Or you want to take us to lawyer Jeff, Mr. John F. Braun? Yeah, it looks really cool. It does <laughs> cool, right? Um, Jeff says, want to play with the full featured classic 68K Mac in your browser? You can try it out at macOS8.app. Uh, HTTPS on the web, yeah. uh, Mac OS 8.app, and System7.app. Amazing. I love it. That's awesome. And I hey. went there, and the first thing I did was play the games that <laughs> were on the machines. They had a bunch of Ambrosia games on there, and uh, and so I, I turned on Escape Velocity, and as soon as the theme music started playing, Hector went nuts. Because she lived in that office when those games were being made, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah, she she has interesting. Hector is Hector is a our African gray parrot whose uh, first owners were Ambrosia Software, and she lived in the office with them. So she knows <clears throat> all the sounds from all those games, and and they come out sometimes. And the first time you know, any of those sounds came out, you know, I mean, I hadn't played those games in 20 years. It's like, whoa, that brings me right back. So. Well, I also remember Escape of Velocity. If, um, if you played it in free mode for too long, um, a ship named Hector would come and, and kill you. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to go back and play it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. It's free. Mac OS 8.app, system 7.app. We've got link in, links in the show notes. The uh, the next thing that I found is from Skosh. We were talking last week, I believe, about battery jump starter kits to have in your car. And they've got their new Power Up 600 Torch, which is a battery jump starter flashlight all in one thing. And it's it's pretty like compact. It's it's basically the size of a flashlight. You can charge your phone with it. You can jumpstart your car with it. And you can even use the flashlight as a flashlight, which is amazing. So pretty cool thing to keep in your car. It's 140 bucks, uh, at least from Scotia. And of course, you might be able to find it less expensively elsewhere. But I figured that was a that was a good one to mention, given the timing of everything. So I like these things. It's good. It's good to have something like that in your car. Do you have one of those in your car? You weren't part of the discussion, Pete. 
I, I don't, uh, but I do remember hearing the show, and part of that discussion was was it Scotia or Scotia? And we we actually used both, and and uh, in the aviation, uh, the term was all well, the weather's really Scotia today. Interesting. It's low. So, it's tiny. It's why it's and it's. I, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody out there, but I think it's the Japanese word for for small or, or minimal. Oh, very that, little. So it, that is not where in Scotia. That is not where their name comes from. Believe it or not. Oh, okay. Because I noticed that it was a small device. So I went, eh. Yeah, I have the story for their name buried somewhere in my email here because they heard that discussion and sent us a note. Oh, and cool. I'm looking to see, I believe. Because uh, we would always say, and I never knew where it came from, but yeah, so until the, I got over to Japan, it was also, oh, skosh, meaning it's little. The, it is pronounced skosh. The company was okay. founded by Roger and Scotia, S-C-O-T-I-A, skosh. All this in 1980 and is still a family owned and operated company. So it was named after Roger, uh, I'm assuming his wife, but I, I, I won't make that assumption. So it was it was named after Scotia's nickname, which is Scotch. So, yeah. OK, which is a proud Scottish. Exactly. Origin, yeah, there you go. You know, yep. So, yeah. To, to quote Wayne Campbell, if you or it wasn't Wayne Campbell who said no, I can't think of the actor's name. Don't John, take us to Dan, please yeah, do it, save fine. us. <laughs> Uh-oh, John's super muted. There we go. Okay. Um, no, I was muted. Now I'm yes. unmuted. Um, all right. Dan says, I've started to get an Apple HomeKit recently and found something quite cool. I've already bought some products from this range, and therefore I'm confident to recommend it. HomeKit-compatible gear comes with quite a hefty price tag, but IKEA has provided a low-cost solution. They sell a range of smart home equipment called TradFree. Um. Another thing we will, we will mispronounce. The fee hub, huh? Another thing we will mispronounce, certainly. I, I'm, I'm sure mm -hmm. they have their own, you know, probably trod free or something like that. But uh, but yes, T-R-A-D-F-R-I. So keep yeah. going. Sorry. Yeah. So you got so you got to get a hub and then you, the, you know, you get a free app. Okay. Uh, the great thing is that the trad fee hub can present itself to the Apple HomeKit environment together with all the accessories you've installed, light bulbs, switches, dimmers, controllers, LED strips, uh, etc. Huh. From then on, you can use the individual accessories in the Apple HomeKit app, or the Home app, right? Uh, without touching the IKEA app. For example, in the UK, you can pick up a bulb with a switch for £10, which is a real bargain, and the other prices are equally good value. Interesting. Uh, I don't believe it's matter compatible, but at this price, I'm willing to sacrifice that. Um, cool. So, Dave, you got it. It's thread free. Did it's I get it right? Swedish word wow. for it's the Swedish word for wireless. Oh, no kidding! Ah, yeah. All right. Cool. Trod free. I'm still. I'm sure I'm still mispronouncing it, but you know. <laughs> It's one of the yeah, things. Uh, Trod free. <laughs> Fun. All right. Cool. I like it. Uh, let's see. We've got, uh, we're right out of time. There's, there's a quick one, at least one that I want to mention here. And that is from Patrick. Uh, Patrick says, and I, I'm sure I will bring it up here. We were talking earlier in the show about cleaning your AirPods pro tips and Patrick suggests for cleaning your iPhone, he says, uh, I found a Dentec kit 
in my drawer the other day, which is a a toothpick kit, believe it or not, a Dentec flosser. And he says this is perfect for cleaning the lint out of your iPhone. So uh, we'll put a link to those in the show notes. Thank you, Patrick, for sharing that. He's right. Uh, they those those it, it's like. It's this weird, I wish I could get a picture of it up on the screen for anybody watching, but you'll find it at the link. It's, it's like a finned tip. So it's not just a, like a, a, a plastic toothpick. It's got some, some bristles on it. Maybe that's the right way to describe it, which will just grab the dust and yank it out of your uh, power port on your, your lightning port on your iPhone. So it's good stuff. Don't but, store your iPhone in your navel. Um, I have trouble storing mine in my navel. It's it's not big enough anymore. Yeah, that's why I got the 13 mini, though, Pete, was so that I could fit it in my navel. (laughs) Right? That's why you got yours, too, right, John? We got to be able to store our iPhones in our navels. Keeps our pockets free. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, folks. What's that? Don't store your iPhone in your navel. There's your show title. (laughs) That's actually not a bad show title. I mean, it's terrible, but... It's uh, what was the other one I was going to use? The Saruman oh. dilemma. What we said earlier in the show. I don't I don't know yeah. which is worse, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be a toss up. It's getting really going to. What's that? What's that, Pete? We're, we're getting punchy. Yeah. We're getting punchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't want to talk about the other things that I saw at that TechFluence show. So we got to we got to we got to pull the uh, what was it they used to do on the gong show? They gave us the hook, right? They would they would literally like. Put the hook out no, on there stage. Was the gong. Well, there was the gong, but didn't they also I guess, have a, I guess they'd hook you they'd if people hook, wouldn't leave. Yeah, if they wouldn't leave after being gong, they would hook you, right? Yeah. So Chuck, Chuck Berry, right? Chuck Ferris. Chuck Ferris, who he alleges that he was a, a undercover CIA operative the whole time, right? The, the gong show guy? Did you there's a whole movie about this? Oh, it's fascinating. I I don't if this conspiracy is false, I don't want to know that it's false. I, I love thinking of i think you're right chuck ferris right chuck yeah. ferris yeah. Yeah. uh can't remember CIA what i had for lunch yesterday but i can pull up chuck ferris chuck barris barris b-a-r-r-i-s barry and ferris barris yeah 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 close <laughs> he, right. he says he was a hitman right for the, the cia i don't know we'll put that link in the show notes too because that's clearly the most important thing we talked about uh during the episode mm-hmm. today so and gene gene the dancing machine Oh, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Assassin. And I remember watching that one episode where every every act that came on sang feelings. That's wow. Wow. That brings seen me that back. Live. Yeah. 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 I don't know if I saw that live or a rerun, but I, I as soon as you said it, it was like, oh, yeah, what a disaster that was. <laughs> I probably did see it live. Yeah. All right. Which means... We admit to watching that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. we Yeah, we absolutely admit to watching it. Yeah, we're not proud people here. It's just how it is. Yeah. I don't know why audio is stuttering all of a sudden. I don't know what's going on with my computer. It got, uh, got, very, it got very upset with me as I started doing things, but that's okay. It's, it's telling me we're finished, and it's correct. John, you have anything to uh, to share with them before we uh, before we get out of here? Any any. Words of wisdom or, or things that, that uh, places you want them to find us or anything like that. Where can they find you if not in Discord? On Twitter, John F. Braun is me. He's Dave Hamilton. He's Pilot Pete. 
And the podcast is MacGeekGab. That'll do it. Yeah. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Discord. MacGeekGab.com slash Discord. John will be there someday. I swear. It's going to happen. I, I see the, the All right. The stuff you'll you'll participate someday, maybe. People are, people are salivating to hear from you. Maybe... Maybe because they're so eager to hear from you. Could you share one final piece of advice with everyone, John? Maybe? Of course. Um, And that advice would be don't get caught. Great advice. Made up.